It's now the time we turn to the Scripture. And I picked two passages this day, and I'm ending on one that is, is this is often in the tradition of the church, um, the baptism of the Lord, baptism of Jesus Sunday. And so the passage I'll read from Matthew is on that setting and on that subject. So, and then I'll speak briefly on that, and then we'll move on to our um, ordination and installation. But before we get there, I'm going to call on the Holy Spirit to illuminate this passage. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of Your Holy Spirit that as the Scriptures are read and Your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what You say to us today. Amen. So our readings will come from the prophet Isaiah and from the Gospel according to Matthew. The prophet Isaiah, it will come out of chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. So that the, the Christian relationship to the teachings of the Old Testament has been, a com, has been complex and argue, argued over throughout church history. What I'm saying is like that Old Testament versus New Testament and Christians moving forward, you know, do they embrace the Old Testament or not? So, but the New Testament church struggled with this dynamic when Peter and Paul disagreed over whether or not Gentiles should follow the Jew, Jewish law and be circumcised with their conversion to Christianity. And 50, it's a common error, but 50, the Judaizers, as they were called, the controversy was settled in the First Council of Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a little history because it's, it's interesting. But, um, but, but before the century was over, Martian, who taught disjunction between the two Testaments, so this theologian said they're not related to each other. One doesn't need the other. So he advocated the complete elimination of the Old Testament from Christian scriptures. He said, you don't need it. All we need is that good news in the New Testament. So he rewrote the Scripture to be that all it was was the Gospel of Luke and the Epistles of Paul, you know, Romans, Corinthians. And, and then he, he edited Paul's Epistles to, to remove any Judaizers or people who favored the Jews. So you ended up with a shadow of the Bible. Well, thankfully the Spirit prevailed. And we have the wonderful words of the prophet Isaiah 42.1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my Spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will be faithful faithful, faithfully bringing forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Thus God says, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. 
I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nation, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Thus ends the reading of Isaiah. I lift up that statement. The former things have come to pass. The former things have come to pass. In other words, the former things will not come back. They are gone. It's over. Now we turn to the Gospel according to Matthew. Pardon me. The celebration of the baptism of the Lord is traditionally a time to contemplate both Jesus' baptism and our own. Like when the elders stand before us and deacons stand before us. They have all been baptized. And it, and it actually stems forth from that baptism. To make sense of these mysteries of, of baptism, it's also necessary to contemplate the incarnation itself. Incarnation. I got that asked that question a couple of weeks ago about incarnation and of Jesus, where the Word becomes flesh. And that's important. The Word becomes flesh and then institutes the baptism and then we partake of that. We are an offshoot of that incarnation. In short, to understand baptism, we must understand the reality, the physicality of being human. Being human. And what it means to say that God saved us by becoming just like us. You know, Jesus didn't come and take over or do our jobs. Jesus didn't come forth to, to, um, take place, you know, take our, take our place or learn what it's like to do what we do. No. Jesus became human and experienced life just as we do. With all the temptations, all of the pleasures, all of the reality of being human. An aspect of our faith that is absolutely amazing. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John the baptizer, by the way. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
there is a powerful quote that comes from Walt Disney. And it is, live a life that isn't dictated by the past. Live a life that isn't dictated by the past. And it comes out of the movie from 2013 called Saving Mr. Banks, which is a biography, based on a biography, of P.J. Travers, who was the writer of the story Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. It's kind of complicated who Mary Poppins is, other than if you watch the movie. But what it is is who it's based on. But first, I'm going to tell you that P.J. Travers had an absolutely awful childhood. Her father was an alcoholic, abusive, and finally left them, abandoned them. And she carried this anger inside of her all of her life. She carried this anger, and it held her back. This wonderful opportunity came up for Walt Disney to turn her story into a movie and she wouldn't let him. She could not trust anyone. He worked and worked hard. He gave so many concessions that she said no over and over and over again. He finally got on a plane and went to see her. And that is what he said to her. Live a life that is not dictated by the past. We have that same opportunity. She relented and gave up the story and allowed Walt Disney to do what he does and we now watch it, stream it, often. But living that life not dictated by the past is what baptism gives us. Baptism gives us that freedom, freedom to forget the past. The past is behind us. The old life is gone, as you've heard me say sometimes. The new life has begun. And that's what happens when we are baptized. And that's what we recognize when we go and be elders and deacons. We forget the past. We let go of the past. We try to put aside our anger. We try to let go of those things that have been troubling us. And let the Spirit prevail. Let the Spirit lead us. You know, as I re referenced in the prayer, you know, Billy Graham and others have made that wonderful statement that, you know, we know not where the Holy Spirit blows. And if you follow the Holy Spirit, you know not where you will blow. You know not where you will go. You're untethered from your past. And in those moments where you... you, you Resign yourself to let the Spirit take you. You will. You will find that peace and joy you have never, ever experienced. This morning, I just... My, the opportunity to ordain Janie and to see that smile on her face and to see her excitement She's embracing this new role in the church. And as she said, I was born ready. Life begins with baptism. 
And baptism stands at the beginning of the Christian life. Baptism is that first act of the Christian life. But it doesn't end there. It's not an event. It's a beginning. And the ordination and installation of elders and deacons is not an event. It's the beginning. Some of you, as I said, Mike and Marshall, will be returning. But every time they return, when they return to that body of the session, it's different than it was when they left. But as we prayerfully rely on the Holy Spirit, we get closer and closer and closer to what God wants of us. And may that be realized this day. Baptism is a commitment. Ordination and installation is a commitment. And all mark our identity. P.J. Travers, for all of her life up until that point, had been marked by the anger she held towards her father. When she let it go, great things began to happen. You too may carry something. But by baptism, by ordination and installation, you become marked and you've given permission to just surrender and give it up and let the Spirit blow you where you are to go. Indeed, Live a life that isn't dictated by the past. Let us pray. Let us pray. Out of Matthew 3, we hear, Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Indeed, I believe that every time we are baptized, God is well pleased. And every time we take a greater commitment to serve the Lord, to be the bearer of the good news, to accompany those who struggle, or to lead lead the church, the business of the church, I feel God say, again, I am well pleased. Lord, as we go forward this day, may we experience your affirmation, step by step. Through ordination and installation, through communion, may we know your your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.